Hi, welcome to Conference Room C, where the culture meets. I am Amina Gilliard-James. I go by Dr. A. I am the creator, producer, and host of this show. Thank you for listening. This conference room is for us, and by us, I mean young Black professionals and allies. It's a virtual place to make meaning of our daily experiences in the workspace. A virtual conference room of sorts, where I will gather with expert guests and you, the listeners, for poignant and at times lighthearted discussions surrounding the historical and contemporary context that permeate the walls of workspaces around the world. This conference room is not for one type of young Black professional. It is literally for all types. This space isn't meant to champion one Black story or foster narrative oppression. We've had enough of that. The culture is dynamic. The workplace can be a labyrinth at best. This space is for us to deal with all that comes with that. This podcast is not meant to replace or serve as professional advice or counseling, and the views I express are solely my own as an individual. But Conference Room C is 100% about stories. Not one story, but every story. Before we get more into how I arrived at the conference room, here's some information that is marginally important, but may slightly impress you anyway. I have a doctorate in human and organizational learning, from the George Washington University. I have several certifications, including diversity, equity, inclusion, and health-focused certifications. I'm an organization developer, an identity researcher, a consultant, an educator, and an advocate. I'm an experienced speaker, both domestically and internationally, and I'm a published author. I'm also the founder and president of Influence by AG LLC an organization development consultancy. Through Influence by AG, I transform organizations by strategically leveraging the strengths and diversity in their employees. Two snaps for myself. Yes, we're here to celebrate ourselves and others. I'm originally from New York City. I'm the daughter of a university professor and the daughter of a nurse. I'm a former military spouse as my husband is now retired. Praise the Lord one time. Amen. I have a passion for elevating voices that are often not represented or that are misrepresented in the dominant narrative. Oh, and some random facts. I started my high school's first African-American support group when I was a student there in the midst of racial tensions. I'm talking about swastikas on bathroom walls and such. Yeah, it was real back then. I'm also a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Shout out to my sores and frat. I was also once Miss Black District of Columbia, USA, and even competed in the Miss Black USA pageant. So far, whether you realize it or not, I've been letting you know about all of my different identities. Scholar, practitioner, daughter, pageant queen, etc. And now I'll tell you about one more identity. The one that led me here. Young Black woman professional. A perfectly intersecting individual. The truth is that Black professionals straddle two worlds. 40 or more hours per week, we are in a work world where we are expected to maintain a certain level of professionalism. But outside of work, we face a tumultuous social existence that is rooted in both contemporary and historical shenanigans, as I like to call them. The stress of navigating these two worlds has plagued Black professionals for generations, In the workspace, we don't talk about how societal contexts affect our existence as professionals. 
We often avoid the subject because of fear of exclusion or because we trust that ethics laws will protect us from biases. Truth is, we are often excluded anyway, and legal protections do not make work a safe space. All of these different factors leave us needing an avenue to share and make meaning of our experiences in a place designed just for us. So how exactly did I get here? Well, bear with me because I'm going to get real academic for a few moments, but there is a point to it, I promise. The year was 2017, and I was deep into my dissertation research into the professional identity construction of Black women executives in the federal government. I was conducting a narrative inquiry study, which literally meant that I was going to talk to my participants about their experiences and write their stories. One of the first things I had to do in my research was lay all my cards on the table, something that is a common step in qualitative research, except for my study methodology required me to go a step further. I actually had to write my own story based on the same questions I was asking my participants. Here's what I wrote. I am Black, a woman, and an employee. I often find that my perspective is broader than some others because of being raised by a father who is African-American history professor and a mother who was always keen on Black pride. I always knew I was Black and always knew I was a woman. What I had to learn over the course of my life is what it meant and how to exist as a Black woman in this country in every domain, from family to school to work and beyond. But I didn't have to learn that alone. I was led by example by those in my life, those in my books and those on my TV screen. Intersectionality is not a concept that we are born knowing. It is something that is experienced, observed, and emergent in everyday routine encounters. It is a matter of just being, no time for thinking, and not much time for assessing, or so I thought. The deeper I got into the identity literature, the more I began to wonder, how much of our identities do we have control over? How much can I change my professional identity if I wanted to? Am I just stuck when it comes to my social identities? How do my professional and social identities interact? In the professional realm, can I be a Black woman professional? Or am I always a professional first and then a Black woman? And what in the world does any of it really mean when it comes to real life and what I can achieve in my career? These are questions I've asked myself continually since I decided to investigate professional identity construction among Black women. I pondered these questions and what I may have in common with my participants. I realized that I am them and they are my possible selves. Without having recruited participants yet, I imagine and hope they would be diverse in many ways, age, profession, where they're from, etc. This notion triggered reflection on my own workplace encounters with subtle and overt racism and sexism and with dominating interactions where I had to prove my competence because of what I perceived as predetermined notions about Black womanness. Even further, during my reflection, I finally arrived at the realization that in the workplace, I barely had anyone around to relate to. Role models for me were few and far in between, and that troubled me. This is where the theoretical meets the practical. My dissertation research has prompted a lot of questioning and thus has also encouraged me to make the connection between what I was researching and what I have experienced. My experience tells me 
that I do not feel stuck in my social identities. However, I do feel stuck in a system that discourages me from displaying my social identities in professional settings. For example, I've tended not to talk about, in the workplace, my early years growing up in the inner city because of comments I've heard others, usually non-Black individuals, say about people in the inner city. I have been socialized to believe that remaining professional means silencing my social identities to a degree that is comfortable to members of dominant groups. Consequently, these practices limit my potential to become my best self. I should not have to sacrifice some identities to effectively demonstrate others. I have, unfortunately, had to do so throughout my career, though not in every work context. And doing so has had adverse effects on my professional self-concept. Most notably, it threatened the way I saw myself and my potential as a professional. Now I ponder how I kept going and got to a point where I view of my professional self more positively, or have I gotten there yet? At first, I felt unsure about whether I could adequately and accurately capture and retell participants' stories, especially if they strayed from my preconceived assumptions, what they would or should be based on my own experiences and reflections. However, the more I experience and the more I understand the importance of experiencing and absorbing the stories told by others like me and like the possible me, I am reminded of the importance of this work in narrative. After writing about my experiences at work, I knew that I was embarking on a journey that would change me forever. Over the next few months, I spent hours co-constructing stories with six women executives. I call them my sensational six. Their stories charted their career paths from the very beginning to their current locations as executives in their respective organizations. I heard stories of success, failure, intimidation, discrimination, redemption, triumph, sadness, stress, and hope. One of the women stated that this was the first time anyone had ever asked her what her experiences were like as she rose the ranks to the coveted position of senior executive. I felt honored and blessed that the Sensational Six were willing to bring me into their worlds and trust me with their stories. There was one story that stood out to me, and at the time, I couldn't understand why. It didn't strike me as particularly profound. In fact, I don't even think the antidote made it into the final cut of the participant's narrative. However, it stuck with me. Years later, I finally realized that the story stuck with me because it was the very essence of what it means to be Black at work. My participant briefly explained an experience where she was going to a meeting ready to present her work and contribute to the conversation. But when she arrived at the conference room, she realized the meeting location was changed. At first, she thought the change happened last minute. But when she arrived at the new conference room, everyone else had managed to find their way there on time. She was the only Black person in the meeting and the only late person, too. On one hand, she didn't know what to make of the situation. But on the other hand, she felt that the uninformed room switch was intentional. But she had no real evidence to support this feeling. So she internalized her frustration and kept moving forward. Though her story wasn't unfamiliar, it also became a delayed sobering moment for me. And I finally thought, this is it. 
the essence of working while Black and young in America. In addition, at the conclusion of my study, my findings were validation that I had to continue this journey. I'm a believer that you are as young as you feel. However, it was important to me to be clear that I was creating a space with this podcast for young Black professionals because as a millennial, the groups that I identify with the most are millennials, Gen Xers, and Gen Zers, also known as Centennials. The opportunities that our parents or grandparents didn't have, or maybe we didn't even have at first, we have many of those opportunities now. We're not all the same by far, but sadly, we can all bond over the weight of our experiences at work. In a society boasting a post-racial environment, we are used as evidence that all is well. We're the success stories. This is the narrative that has dominated for some time now. This unique social location marginalizes young Black professionals because society tells us we should just be so grateful. We made it. How could we ever complain? Who would we complain to? Who would believe us? Who would understand? Who would even care? This is the condition of the young Black professional. And now we're here in conference room C. We don't have to wonder at these questions in silence anymore. We can step into the conference room and hear about experiences that are similar to and different from ours, with the common factor being that Black professionals in all of our experiences matter. In the conference room, there are three operating principles, equal voice, safe space, and knowledge sharing. By committing to these three principles, we'll be able to effectively empower, support, and learn from one another. All guests in the conference room are encouraged to share their unique knowledge, perspectives, and experiences. Their voices will always be equal to mine as we discuss all things working while Black. It was also important for me to bring voices directly from the culture into the conference room. So during the Dear Dr. A segment at the end of each episode, I will read a story that was received at roomcpodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, as a reminder, this room is a place for every story, not just one story. So... What can you expect from season one of Conference Room C, where the culture meets? You can expect no frills conversations and gems out the wazoo. You can expect to hear me learning and growing as a host. As much as I'm here to facilitate conversations and extract the stories that need to be heard, I'm also here to learn and empower. You can expect conversations around working and leading while Black, allyship in the workspace, being a Black career trailblazer, developing Black talent, and more. You can expect connection. And now, on to the Dear Dr. A segment of today's episode, which again will occur at the end of each episode. Dear Dr. A, I am a single mother, and I think this woman in my office, who used to be my supervisor, has a white savior complex. She keeps giving me random stuff, a used pair of leggings, old fruit from her fridge, the comics from her paper for my son, any black magazine she finds, juice boxes, and the list goes on. I don't want to be rude, but I find it offensive that she thinks I need handouts. I've had about enough. Well, alrighty, wow. We're off to a start, aren't we? Where do I even begin? I wish I had some backup. I'm glad I won't have to be responding to these in future episodes. For those of you unfamiliar with the term white savior complex, it's now a common term used a lot in pop culture, Hollywood, and academia references. 
It's basically when you have a white person who is seemingly well-intentioned, but deep down or not so deep down is really being helpful so they can be viewed as a good person, willing to help those in need, uh, those different from them, typically people of color. But it's all really surface and the resulting actions often come from a place of limited context or stereotypical views. Unsolicited handouts in any instance can be seen as offensive and not even quality handouts at that, but I'm not going to go there today. It does seem from the limited information you provided that this woman knows a little about you as your former supervisor and has possibly imposed onto you this image she has in her mind about struggling black single mothers. That's just something I'm getting. Now, my first go-to whenever I'm in sort of an ambiguous situation when I'm not sure if someone is being microaggressive because of one or more of my identities, I just always assume positive intent, assume positive intent. It's very possible that she's just a lovely lady who likes to help, right? This could be the case. She could mean no harm at it at all, not even implicitly. However, if you feel you are the target of her microaggressions, I wholeheartedly think this situation deserves a different response. And you'll know, okay, because as someone who has lived Black for however many years you are, more than likely, you know what these marginalizing interactions feel like. So if you feel strongly, then it may be a good time to check her. Or in more workspace-appropriate lingo, time for a teaching moment. You can let her know professionally, of course, that you appreciate her thinking of you, but you have everything you need for you and your family and won't be needing any of her items anymore. And if you should require anything from her in the future, you'll be sure to let her know. Hopefully, that'll nip it in the bud, but uh, I'm sure that this is getting annoying. So maybe try this out, but keep doing you, sis, either way, and keep your head up. It's been real, everyone. Thank you for listening to my intro episode for Conference Room C, where the culture meets. I hope to have you back in the conference room. But for now, we got to go. I'll see you on the outside.